ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce my next guest on the Swim for Try podcast. Uh, sitting in her garden, I can hear the birds singing. It sounds lovely. Heidi Laurie. Heidi, you come from an amazing sports background. You chose psychology um, and you have been focusing a little bit more on the commercial world, understandably, but the two have links, um, you know, sporting performance, business performance. I would like to ask you some questions. It almost put me on the, the couch uh, today because I felt as a, as a young swimmer, I didn't quite reach my... Well, I did, but in unusual circumstances. Um, are we okay to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. I'd be interested. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, so, so many of you all know I swam at college in the US and as a teenager, um, and I would come back to the UK for European Olympic trials during, it was like, yeah, in the early 90s, and I felt that as a solo competitor, I never quite lived up to my, the, you know, the achievements I achieved when I was in my collegiate dual meet season, where the pressure of the team, not wanting to let the team down, really, you know, I, I was, my senior year, I was captain, and I just loved that. I thrived on it. When, when we were up against Eastern Michigan, who hadn't been beaten in 23 years, we were at a certain point in the meet where I was about to swim the 500 yard free. Coach comes up to me and says, if you win this, they won't be able to catch us. We'll be enough points in front. I mean, that, that, that should have had me crumbling, a, but no, I love that. But yet come back to the UK. Oh, by the way, I did win that race and we did win the meet. <laughs> um, but come back to the UK Olympic trials and being a solo person, on poolside without a big team there just doing it for me I did okay but you know it just wasn't the same what 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 should I have been doing differently perhaps what could I have helped what might have helped me I, 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 I get the sense that for you working within a team with your people your the camaraderie the the extra things for want of a better word that come with a a college or a collegiate based uh, swimming team are things that um, help you or feed your inner performance but yet doing it on your own and you lose those almost resources is not quite enough you somehow someone hasn't found that kind of key to help you achieve it for yourself or that conversation hasn't been had Dan what do you need what do you as an individual swimmer what do you need to help you perform at your best were you were you what did any of your coaches ever ask you that no this was at a time when resources were were, were quite limited we were lucky to speak to a nutritionist maybe once a year um, you know strength and conditioning was just you know limited you know, a, a sports psychologist, that that was not really something that, and, and, and coaching was very much in its infancy then, you know, coaches were, you know, they were swimming technical people, they weren't, didn't have the broader resources. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it was, it would have been hard to ask, because I just don't think, you know, this was back in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I, I, I guess, you know, now it's a very different story, and, and things would be available, would they? I don't know because I I don't know swimming as a governing body and at the end of the day it does come down to funding and it also comes down to 
where the funding's priorities are. But I think if I think back to your college, if you think back to the collegiate days, what did you have? So it made me saying, I feel like it was the camaraderie. I feel like it was other things around you. Name them. What were those other things around you that you really enjoyed and you really thrived on? Well, definitely the camaraderie, you know, the imagine coming from a small East London swimming club where you were the, you know, the, the best swimmer uh, in a small pond. Um, and then I was quite lucky to go to uh, a, a school in, in Somerset where it was a little bit of a bigger, but the skill set was was again higher. And then imagine you go to the US to a college, there's 40 guys on the swim team and they're all as good, better and you're thriving on competition every day in training, you're trying to impress, you're trying to win uh, all the time. It, it really suited, and, and often I felt that I, I would leave some of my best, I mean, maybe not so much there, but I would often leave my best performances in, in the training pool. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose this is then feeds nicely into the relationship between stress and pressure, and pressure is often that thing that is more of a positive thing. People who can, who perform under pressure tend to perform positively. And then it's the stress side of things which has more of a negative impact on you. So it's that, kind of, it's that fight or flight response. So if I think back to um, our brains and how they were formed, we uh, the oldest part of our brain is called the amygdala. And that served us well when we were cavemen. You know, we have a saber-toothed tiger running towards <laughs> us. What do we do? Run. Um, and and then as we formed and became far more, uh, formed better into better humans, the cortex, which is that kind of that um, uh, wrinkly part of the brain, formed in the latter years, and that is our reasoning and our our our. our putting things in perspective and the problem is though is that very often our immediate response to a situation is a result of the oldest part of your brain acting and that's normal and accept that's normal but what we need to learn to do is engage our cortex quicker so for example um for you and in competition and solo competition maybe you were feeling on from a solo perspective more stress yeah. Whereas in a collegiate setting, you you were under more pressure, and and that was the pressure that was driving you, but the stress was having a negative impact on on your muscles, on your hormones, maybe on on your whole attitude, and and that could be the difference between your US days and your UK days. Interesting, interesting. I've met a lot of talented sports people and, and often you know, when it comes to those solo performances, they're quite, um, they're quite selfish and, you know, win at all costs. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've been following the Michael Jordan uh, Netflix documentary, um, The Last Dance, but he had an amazing ability to make something quite personal. He would, you know, not even, well, often it would be real, but he just even needed to hear a rumor that somebody on the other team had mentioned something bad about him and he it would elevate his game quite remarkably um it, it's it's interesting that that you know people that can turn that on yeah ab absolutely and it's about everybody finding their own 
uh, a key, if you like. And it's about finding um, that key. Everybody has their own key in order to activate that um, the response that they require. For him, it was about being uh, probably turned him more focused. It turned him more aggressive, but in the right way. I'm not talking about aggressive where he goes thumping his, his uh, opposition. It would just make him more determined to get the uh, basketball in the place that he wanted to be, be it to, to a teammate or to, um, to a person. Um, and that's and that's what pressure can do, but the opposite is is obviously stress, and um, stress is something that is obviously having a lot has a lot of negative impact on you and lo- prolonged stress even worse. If I bring it into business, for example, I worked with um, a CEO who um, had an insurmountable amount of uh, stress on him, many balls in the air, not just personally, but also not just professionally, but also personally. And he held it. He held this in his demeanour. He held it in the language that he wrote in emails, or, or the, 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 the then how he um, conducted meetings. And so, what we needed him to do, or what I needed him to do, was to engage his cortex, to engage his reasoning part of the brain, not his amygdala. So for him, we worked out that he was a massive love of mathematics. So. If he received, or when he received, plenty of emails, which made his blood boil, as quote unquote, <laughs> um, he would have to do this ridiculous mathematic equation that he, and he would put new new ones all uh, with post-it notes all around his um, uh, computer screen, and this just stopped that fight, anger response. It made him calm, distract him, and calm down do this mathematical equation and then think, right, okay, what is the best response here? What is the, what is the, what is, what do I need to do next? As opposed to be like, you know, one line emails in capital letters or flying off the handle in, in, in a meeting because he wasn't happy. Um, so there are many, many little tricks of the trade that people can do to switch parts of their brain into a more positive experience. So if we take it back to you, I would be really keen to understand what you felt, why you felt, exactly why you felt you couldn't perform to the best that you could, that you were capable of doing. You knew you were capable of probably swimming faster. You knew you were capable of achieving the results that you wanted to achieve. But what, what do you think, what do you think was holding you back? It was almost the, the you know, the, it was it fear of failure not really I had nothing to to worry about really um it was it the stage was too big and I just felt a little bit insignificant on my own without my team around me um and it, it was you know if I only had if I if I swam slow obviously it was a disappointment but it wasn't like you had you know you it wasn't like you were letting down the team and 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 the, the U.S. system was was really strong, really competitive, and you know they would get the marching band to come in to try to upset the opposing team. They'd bring alumni swimmers from the nineteen fifties in who would declare, "I'd rather go to jail than lose against Eastern Michigan," and you know, and, and they created this amazing where you just didn't dare swim slow. Um, whereas it was hard to reproduce that just as a single swimmer 
even though yeah. it was more important at the Olympic trials, you know, it was the opportunity of a lifetime to go yeah. to the games. It, it was just yeah. hard to recreate that. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I, could, I can absolutely um, understand that. I myself was a tennis player and I would play much better um, when it was um, um, it, either be it my county, Warwickshire versus Gloucestershire or England versus Germany or any of those things. But when it came to me on my own, on a court from my own self, I really struggled. Um, and I've, I've thought about this a lot over the years, why? And I just, it comes down to, I was just not hungry enough for me. I did not want it enough for me. Everything that I wanted to achieve, I wanted to achieve for my team. And so therefore, uh, an individual sport was not the right thing for me. <laughs> yeah, simple as that, simple as that. But now, un 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 unfortunately, a lot, of, um, <laughs> a lot of triathletes are going to be listening to this since that's who I coach mostly and that you couldn't you couldn't ask for a more solo individual sport i mean iron man goodness me you're on your own from 3 30 a.m the gun goes at i don't know five or six you're swimming for 3.8 k biking on your own for 112 miles and then my goodness you've got to run a marathon to finish and 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 some people just seem to thrive on that it, is there anything you know i may i've done a couple and i did okay but again it, it just wasn't it what you know it wasn't the fun day out i'd <laughs> i'd hoped <laughs> you know i i just um, i just kept listening to my mind telling me like what on earth is this all about how do you shut out those some people refer to this as a chimp chattering away on your shoulder have you come across yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's the psychiatrist to the sky team yeah i'm do you know what i am going to talk to skills I have ever learned and I learned this skill from a guy called Dr Ian Cockle who was my psychologist playing tennis and it has served me very well in my life and it's called visualization and you have seen on the tennis courts um, tennis players with um, towels over their heads or golfers um, or even skiers at the top of um, a race and a big downhill competition you can see them or, or formula one drivers and it and it is basic visualization it's about you practice it and practice it and practice it so when it comes to the day your everything you do becomes innate so how do you do this well you have, you're, say you're running, you want to run a, okay, first ever Ironman, and you've got these fears of, uh, I don't know, maybe your swim isn't the strongest or your bike isn't the strongest. Put those to one side and close your eyes, and you have to it's, drink it all in and have to think to yourself, okay, what does it, what, if, if I do a really great swim, what does that feel like? What does it smell like? What do the competitors around me look like? Uh, do I have friends in the crowd? Do I have family in the crowd? And really focus and think, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do that swim in, tell me a good time, a decent time for a, a, an Ironman swim. I don't know. I think I think a lot of people would be very happy to go under the hour. We could call okay, it, under, keep it yeah, simple. We're going to go under 59 minutes, right? And really, really focus that, on that. Like, feel that your arms, your pull, that it, you, you are really um, gliding through the water. It's not a struggle. Even if it's a choppy day, don't, don't go to that. Just feel the positive energy. And what this does is that you're, if you start really, truly believing in it 
and and really taking in all the senses, the smells, the sight, the sounds, the water, everything, um, your body starts to believe it. And they say, people say this, say the sentence, practice makes perfect. Well, it doesn't, because look at your handwriting. We, we do handwriting for years and years and years, and it declines with age. <laughs> but perfect practice makes perfect. So in your head, see yourself swimming the perfect um, first leg of an Ironman. Then you, if your transition, again, if your transition is hard, practice the transition. You'll be like, what does a fantastic transition? You've probably even experienced it. If you, you know, you've had those tra- training days where you come out the pool or come off a run and thought, yeah, you know what, I feel really good. Remember that feeling, feel it. Because actually, when you start visualizing properly, your heart rate accelerates at the rate it sh- at the rate. If you're getting excited about it, you start releasing. You start releasing um, adrenaline, maybe a bit of adrenaline. You might start releasing some um, uh, serotonin and some other really good hormones, and your body really starts believing it. And then you go on to the bike ride, and then so on. So you you just have to really practice visualizing what great would look like on the day and it takes time and I have done this at the hardest times in my life like um, at my dad's funeral I had to do that so that I didn't break down constantly throughout my my speech um, I have done it at my wedding so I didn't break down at my wedding it is a really powerful tool. doing a presentation to the board at an interview it's a really powerful tool and also what infiltrates then is self-belief. You have real self-belief. And without that, if you don't have self-belief, no one's going to give it you. But visualization really gives it you. you it's, if you get it right, it's a really... And I'm sure I found it easy, but I have worked with a couple of golfers who found it really, really tough. I think, um, I think many, many of us it, might have brushed on it, but not nearly as in-depth as you've just described. You know, talk yourself through the race, how it's going to go, but never to the extent that it might elevate a heart rate or, you know, get you the, the butterflies going. That, so that I think, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it needs to be a lot more in-depth by the sound of things. Oh, yes. Go, go really deep. Actually believe and think that you were there on the day but 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 prior to that also start thinking like you've done a really great training session in the pool on the run on the bike a transition whatever it may be and hold on to that feeling what does that feeling and 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 reflect on it my legs felt strong my arms felt strong the water was a great temperature you know all these things log them and then when you go and just sit in a quiet place, lie down, wherever it is the most peaceful place for you, and close your eyes and just see the race. Just watch the race play and, and maybe add in your mum, your dad, your children, whatever it is that you know will give you that extra kick. And it might even come down to the point where you say, you know what, mum, dad, kids, girlfriend, boyfriend, I need you to stand at this point and I need you to... I, I need you to stand at, at, at this transition. I need you to stand at the 10-mile mark. And, I, I, you know, I need you to shout for me because that's what you have seen in your visualisation. And it will give you that injection, that motivation, that um, strength to, to, to hit your goals. I was going to ask, so that's a, a, a preparation tool. But what happens when you're out on the run and you've had a, 
you know, the, it's, a, it's been a long, hot day, you're tired, you've still got 10 miles to go. Can we employ that again while we're actually in the race? It's funny, it's funny you say that because I did actually do visualization when I was helping my husband train for a marathon. But what would end up happening is that I go into a little bit of a trance. And I don't know if, if it, I, I wouldn't say that's an easy thing to do. It might be just because I've been practicing it over many years. But what I do think in a race, and you, actually, you also see other sports people do that, is have positive affirmations. Um. And um, they can be really powerful. So I used to have post-it notes inside my tennis racket bag. Um, I have um, some golfers I, I have worked with have written them on the inside of their arms. If you feel those negative thoughts and doubts um, creep in, having those positive affirmations, just if you can, unless they get washed off or someone hands them <laughs> to you on a board or you put them on a drinks bottle, um, that's that does wonders because at that point you have got to have faith in yourself you have put the mileage in physically you have put the training in physically there is nothing more that you can do the only thing that will let you down then is your mind and you are in control of your mind everyone is in control and being in control of your thoughts is, is quite um it's not an easy easy thing to do um because I think if you think about everyday life, we're bombarded by negative news, we're bombarded by um, things that we should be doing that aren't doing, you know, we're, we're Instagram, people have the perfect life and we don't. And it is not easy to constantly think positive. And I also don't think it's natural to think constantly positive. But when you're in a race, you have to think positive yeah, yeah. because you chose to do this, you want to do this. Physically, you know you can do this. You have done the training. It just comes down to mental. So positive affirmations will make you remember why you're doing it, what you enjoy, that you can do it, and it will help you get through that last bit. That's wonderful. That's from, and I, I'm I'm so excited. I actually want to go and enter something now. Unfortunately, there's nothing really available. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's really got me got me fired up. That's interesting. Um, I wanted to ask about, um, so now I'm a coach and in terms of getting the best out of my swimmers, I've swum for a lot of different coaches, had very different styles. And I guess this is transferable, isn't it? Whether you're in the business world, you're a leader, you're, a, you know, you're, you're in charge of a team, you know, there's very much the, uh, what would you call him the dictator I've swum for many of those it was his way or the highway there's the softly approach where the swimmers want to do well uh, and swim and, and well for their coach uh, some people resent it but sort of want to do well to um, you know show the coach I've seen many many different styles um, I mean how, how do you feel is there one there clearly isn't one style that works best everywhere you've got you've got to ch dial in tune into the your individuals in front of you and and see what makes them tick is that how i can become a better coach yeah yeah i think so coaching in, in sport and coaching in business well coaching in business has definitely taken off extremely uh, gone on a massive trajectory in the last 10 years um i, I think coach is interesting so um i actually used to work for a company called lane four and our ceo is adrian morehouse and 
he I heard quite a few times tell this story how his coach was not a swimmer. In fact, he couldn't swim at all. Um, he swim. He tried. To, he got his coach to go in the water once and he nearly drowned and Adrian had to save him. So I think this, there is this kind of fallacy that coaches have to be, um, uh, have to have lived and breathed it to be the best coach. I don't agree with that at all. I think, for me, a coach is someone who gets inside you your head, who's someone who knows you, who's someone who wants to get the best out of you and wants to find out how to get the best out of you even when you don't know how to get the best out of yourself and it's also about empowering people so for me empowering people is not just saying look you can do it just go do it empowering people is about giving them a task and a responsibility and them achieving the unachievable what they believed to be the unachievable rather and so for me, a coach, yeah, it comes down a little bit down to chemistry. You're absolutely right. Um, it's interesting because my, um, my parents are both Olympic athletes and a one coach in, 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 in mind was the coach who got the best out of him, whereas my mum's coach got the best out of her. Um, and yet my mum's coach couldn't get the best out of my dad even when they, when they try to train together. So um, it is. It's about asking the right questions. It's about not just asking how they feel today. or It's also about asking what's going on in their life. I was just going to say, so in terms of our, our triathletes, obviously speaking to different coaches, they're looking for a coach. You know, they, they do, you know, don't just speak to the most highly qualified. That's kind of not really yeah. relevant. Don't look at their achievements. Actually speak to them see if there's some yes. chemistry, see if it works, see if they have the means to make you tick and, and take it from yes. there. Absolutely, absolutely. It does come down to... And, and you know, uh, sometimes you don't have those answers of, of when you first meet them. And it may come down a few months of training sessions down the line, and that's okay. But you end up learning more about yourself and what your needs are. And very often, I think, when we if, if I talk about goal-setting, I'm sure that in order to achieve an Ironman, you will need to set goals. And the end goal of doing an Ironman, if you've never done it before, seems absolutely unachievable. But all along the way, we set small goals. Can your coach help you with those small goals? Because actually what happens is when we achieve those small goals, we release serotonin. We get more excited and have more um, energy for the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. Before you know it, we've achieved the end goal and probably done it in a better time than we had, had wanted to do it in. Um, and a coach is someone who, sh- who should help you along the, that way. I, I'm, I'm excited to get back on poolside um, and put some of this into practice. I, I've, I've worked with some, I'm quite fortunate, I get to uh, stand on poolside on training camps with, as the swim assistant to some triathlon coaches and, you know, they've you see many different styles and actually I, I love being on training camp because you then get to see coaches within other disciplines as well and, and I love to see how they're doing things um, you know I've seen great success with the the scientific the what's driven data spreadsheet guru I've seen the, the the friendly grandfather type image who gets the best out of certain style of people um, and it's a, I, I love sport because obviously everyone's different and unique and you need to find what works for you. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's, it's funny. I talk about finding your own resource resources to achieve those goals, or and people don't think of their, what resources they need. They just think about the goals, and that's sometimes when the goals fall by the wayside or deemed to be unachievable. But if you start looking at the resources that you have and that you need, those goals somehow become more achievable and more. Amazing, amazing. Hi, we're at times almost up. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I am excited to enter another triathlon. It's been 10 years. I think that's a, a, a level of success you've achieved right there. That's amazing. Um, really appreciate your insights coming from such an amazing sporting background yourself, bringing in the business concepts, your psychology background. It's been lovely to talk. Um, will you be going forwards with more marathons or trying a triathlon anytime soon? Um, do you know what? Um, I unfortunately had complete competition burnout playing tennis, so I run to keep fit. And I, and I and uh, if if girlfriends like you in my team, uh, team player role, uh, want to to run or train a race, then I will do it for them or charity. But um, competing for myself days are well and truly over. Okay, well, it, what you have to offer in terms of the psychology of it all is, is probably invaluable anyway. So appreciate your time and input. Thanks ever so much for talking to us today. Appreciate that. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.